0: The boxers have been given their instructions. The seconds are out. The crowd is ready for another edition of Shoulder Roll Virtual Boxing with your presenter, the boxing historian, Greg Rashid. Yes, this is Greg Rashid, your presenter for the Shoulder Roll
1: Virtual Boxing Podcast. When we do a what if happened if two fighters had gotten together, we put them in a time machine, and we will say, we'll say, what would happen if Muhammad Ali for Joe Louis, something like that. Or in this case, this week, we're going to be doing Winky Wright in the junior middleweight division versus Penelope Alvarez, a what-if fight. But like I've told folks that before, I also interviewed actual fighters, uh, editors of publications, authors and all that deal in boxing. And I am so honored today to have on my phone the one and only I think is a legend. You might not think he's a legend. I think he's a legend. He's a member of the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame, he's a member, I think, of the National Bo- uh, Golden Gloves Hall of Fame. And we have a connection because we're both from Washington, D.C., who we went to the same high school, different eras though. Both are uh, Rough Riders at Roosevelt High School. And we, you know, they're probably in the same neighborhood up in up in Petworth in Northwest, and I'm talking about the one and only one of the one of the hardest-hitting fighters ever—not just as a heavyweight, but in all divisions. I'm talking about the Touch of Sleep himself, Derval Williamson. Are you there, Derval?
2: Yes, sir. I'm here, Greg. Thank you so much. That was very kind introduction. That was very nice of you. I'm here, baby, live in in Englewood, Colorado, as we speak, and uh, I know that you're in. Uh, I'm where well, um, eight
1: thousand miles away from you in Bangkok. Yeah, in
2: Bangkok. Yeah, man. you so cool? coming in live? Yeah. Like, you know, you're a world traveler for sure.
1: Oh yeah, but you you are. You know you are. You know what you're doing in the in the community because I keep up with what's going on in Colorado since I lived there for twenty years. Is that you're doing so much in there with the your touch of sleep program, the gym you have, and all that. And I want I want to eventually talk about that, but first of all, I want to say that um, this program I said is basically about fantasy boxing in one sense. And uh, last year, just out of curiosity, I had you know I have a number of fantasy games I use, computer games, a card game. And your name is in one card game called Glory Day Boxing. I said, what is that? Was that? Glo- Glory Days Boxing. It's a, it's a uh, boxing card game. Okay, and, okay,
2: okay, okay.
1: And one, you know, and I said, I wonder what would happen if I put Javale against Muhammad Ali.
2: <laughs> oh God! And uh, I, mean, I think it's the first time someone's ever uh, made that that connection. And, and and you know, I'm honored to even you, for someone to put my name in the same name, the same sentence as Muhammad Ali. It's crazy, but it it feels good. I mean, I just get the chills. I mean, so that that was nice of you to say that.
1: Well, you know what happened is, uh, you didn't win, unfortunately. You didn't win, but I did a series of bouts with you, and you finished twenty three and eleven. I put you up against some greats, and you did some great. I mean, you—it really showed what type of fighter you were, because you were knocking out everyone. You were just knocking out folks. You're just taking them apart. And it's just, you know, And I, right now, as we speak, I'm trying to get you in another boxing game, a computer game called Legends of Boxing. And the the guy who made that game is going to put you in there. Because what happened when I did this, as far as talking about you and putting your fights online, that you got a lot of folks out there who are loving you, some of whom never seen you fight. But have gone to YouTube to see your fights because of what I've done. So I'm just honored, you know, just to have you on. And a lot of these guys and women answer questions for you. They're not aligned with me, but we'll get to those. But I want to back, we'll get to, you know, before I do that, I want to ask you, first of all, your background. Because, you know, your background really is similar to my background, but your story. Considering what you went through early on, going through all the foster homes and all, that you know, someone should do a documentary about your life, but they haven't already, because it's really incredible.
2: You know that that is that again is very kind of you. Um, we're we're writing a book as we speak about that. Oh, man. Um, it, it will be called "The Heavyweight Discipline," you know, you know a story about Deborah Williamson's life. touch Testicular. I I have. The kids program that we work over here with in Inglewood, Colorado, in my gym called TOS Boxing Gym, uh, Touch Sleep Boxing Gym. And uh, one of the kids uh, that work with, his father, has taken an interest in me because his son kind of like like was like in awe of me. And he really, you know, he really took an interest in me. So the dad is probably like, ah, you I mean, not insecure, but he'd say, hey, I want to know more about you because my son is crazy about you. Oh, yeah. And he is now taking it upon himself to like we are putting together a book uh we we we're we're we're, 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 uh, we're writing a book, and he and his brother his name is uh, oliver uh stokehill, his brother Cyrus Stokehill they both are kind of like, like like teamwork a buddy up uh team working with all three of us putting the putting the book together. I have no idea we got a couple of chapters it's really in a rough draft. But, but but we're going in the right direction. So we got a chance to interview a lot of friends and family from Washington, D.C. earlier because it's the beginning of the book. So we, won't, we we haven't gotten into the fighters and the friends that I, I, I met later on in life in college and, and through my boxing career because I started boxing so late at 25. We're really talking about football and basketball and childhood right. friends and family. So, you know, the first couple of chapters, I think we are on – we're working up to maybe chapter one, up to chapter, chapter. Uh, we got one, chapters one through three, and then I think four, five, and six we work. We, I think we're doing that because it'll be 12 chapters because 12 rounds. So And that's great, man. I, I want to read that. I want to bring it over here. You're putting on Kindle or something. I want it over here. You're is thinking. that right? We, you know, absolutely. We, we want a Kindle. I want Every Barnes and Nobles, every, every um, mom and pop store, um, I, I Walmart, Target, I, but but I, I think it's a beautiful human interest story. And you know, just got to make sure we package it right because yeah. it's a story to tell. And I want the kids, but I also want adults to say, hey, man, like like I have never made like 15, 20, 30 million dollars. And that's not the story. The story is, you know, it's more me out of the world than it is of some of those other guys that have uh, had that kind of success. But I, I think that it's a good story to tell about any children, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, yeah. because you know they have similarities. We all have, you know, have you know stuff we have to overcome, and you know, we, we, we've done a, you know, we've done a pretty decent job with that of, of, of getting here. And so you start boxing at 25. You don't know one way or another what's going on. You're not just sitting around waiting. But, you know, you're trying to play football and basketball. Right. and I had no idea that I was, I was ever better at boxing than I ever was at football yeah. and basketball. Before you go on, you uh, know,
1: like, how did you decide to get into boxing after being in football and basketball and trying out for the Colts? I want people to know that, too, that you do try out for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. What, what made you decide to get in boxing? Because I've never, you know, everything I've seen about you, know, a I've never seen...
2: Even when I interviewed you years ago, I never asked you, how did you end up doing it? You, you you know, Greg, I I started boxing just because I wanted to stay in shape for football. So that was my, that was my my whole reason for getting into boxing because it said if you train like a boxer, you'd be in great shape for football. And I want to play football in the NFL. I want to play quarterback. And, you know, like, you know, you had those... You know like I had a little small stint with the uh, in Memphis Colts back in '94. I tried out for the Arizona Rattlers, the arena football. I like just trying to find a way, and it, it, you know, it, it it didn't happen. But I was also being introduced to boxing as well, just to stay in shape. And who knew that that I've had so much success at boxing yeah. and so late in the game? And I mean, and, and who knew? And, and it just it just took off.
1: Go. And, and I'm glad you said that. You, you're bringing up a question. One of my listeners asked. His name is Bobby Jones. He wanted to know, was your power natural or was it developed somehow? Did you just did they just look at you and say, man, this guy can get," or did you develop something?
2: I, I, I think it was more natural because of football. Right. I'm throwing football. I was a quarterback at Roosevelt and out of alma mater. And because right. of that, you know, I'm throwing football time and time again. I, you know, I feel like I'm can throwing uh, the whole football field at once at one time. Um, and and just having a strong right arm, over and over and over, it was a natural a natural motion of throwing a punch, a right hand punch. You know, not a haymaker with a straight right hand, it's kind of similar to uh, just throwing the ball for a 15 yard out or or uh, someone streaking down the sideline. You no, know, on a, on the zero route. So uh, running the man route. Uh right. I uh, I had success. And I I just you know it was a guy given uh success to a good right hand of throwing the football. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was out yeah.
1: And listeners, you gotta understand this man I'm talking to, the girl Williams. is one of the all time as I said earlier, knockout artists in boxing, not just heavyweight. All, all time. They didn't call him touch of sleep for nothing. And I will argue this with anyone. Now, I think, Deverell, you should have, you would have been heavyweight champion of the world. But what happened in that fight against uh, Vladimir Klitschko with the cut and all, I think you would, because you were beating. And I think you would have been champion. And
2: I think you would have been you know, I I totally agree with you uh, with the Klitschko cut uh, that the fight got stopped early because you know, like it, it looked like the, I didn't I didn't get touched, uh, but he was bleeding from the cut, but he's also bleeding from his, his eye. You know, he, you know, so there's a number of things, and I think uh, Vladimir Klitschko, um, you know, like I think he was nervous all week. I think a lot of his fights had been like. Kind of control atmosphere, like someone yeah. you not know saying he's going to lose, but you know that he's better than that guy. And 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 what, by the time he by the time the, the top of the week of our fight week, they said, "Oh, you're fighting DeVero. You know, he's not coming to lay down. So um, he was nervous the whole week. He was he was he, had, he was so nervous that his nose was bleeding before the fight. They was trying to stop his nose from yeah. bleeding up until the fight. It's just you know. You know, I should want that fight. I should want that fight. I should want that fight. Won that fight. If, if nothing else, we should have did a, a do over. We should did the mulligan, as they say in, in golf. It's a do over. And uh, uh, Shelley Finkle, yeah, Shelley what mm-hmm. his manager at the time, said, bro, you didn't you didn't do yourself any harm, but we're not fighting you again." You know, he said oh. that in the ring. i like, you gotta be kidding me. You know I mean, you know, like maybe Styles makes fights, but they did not want. Any more part of that, they said, hey, you know, we're gave, gave, we gave, we we're glad we got the win, and we're out. And he went on to be headweight champion and also a Hall of Fame boxer. And I I, I was really upset because I thought he was going to say something in his Hall of Fame speech, man. Like, he want to thank DeVarro Williamson, you know, for, you know, because I think that after we fought, I thought he fought a lot like me after he the fight. Win. So he didn't give me credit. Still in my style, yeah. I
1: mean, you sure did, you know. And um, uh, I also think you beat Chris Bird. I remember everyone, well, I, I think you beat him too.
2: But yeah, they, that's, that's,
1: they gave it to bird, the,
2: yeah. Bird, so you know, that was you know, that fight was closer than the I thought that fight was at least closer than the Critical fight, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. Know, you had a guy, you know, so, and, and I had the, the the hand problem or the arm problem at that time. I had bone spurs in my right elbow, and you know who knows me for not throwing my right hand in the fight? No one. I'm throwing it. That's my best weapon. So I'm I'm, I'm going I'm going to throw it a million times. And for me not to be able to throw it as much times as I wanted to against Pittsburgh, you I mean something was wrong?
1: Yeah.
2: But well, I guess- again. Like you know, you, Greg, you ask yourself, you know, when, like I'll go in a hotel room, or you know, you know, you you, you pray to the, the Almighty. You know, I mean, why me? Why now? Why is this happening? Like, you bring me this far, God. I mean, to drop me off here. You mean, like yeah. you you like, whatever your spirituality is, you know, you you you're asking yourself, your inner soul. Like, you know, like what am I doing that you know they brought me here? I mean, like, like I beat this guy, I beat that guy, I beat that guy, I beat that guy. Come on, baby, you know. You know, it, it's time. It's time for the Touch of Sleep to take it, you know, take it across the world. You know I mean? And I get it. It's been around the world, but it, it certainly would have, you know, been nice to become the headway champion of the world.
1: Yeah, you would have been there. But you still, you're still you a champion in other ways. That's the main thing. You're a champion in the neighborhood, throughout the country, and probably throughout the world. The stuff you've done over the years. And, if, you know, I remember the first time I saw you at the uh, Denver Coliseum. But guys, that's an that interview, but I've never seen you fight. And you knocked, the hardest punch I've ever seen in a live fight is when you knocked out uh, Big
2: Ed White. I don't even think Wow, you remember him? Because oh, he's God. like, what, six, seven, like 300 pounds? He was a big that's boy, he was a, a big man. <laughs> he was, dog, was dog-skinned, bald-headed. <laughs> Do you remember that, huh?
1: I remember, I remember that when he hit that mat, I said, My God, he ain't never getting up. You clocked it. I don't think that. I don't think it lasted two
2: minutes. I think he just yeah, I think it was the first and second round, yes. Like, yeah, round the first and second round, but that was a big man. Wow. Man. That's crazy. I remember that. Oh, That's yeah. That's crazy. Cause he's like, I'm 6'4, so he made me look little because he's probably 6'7. Yeah. He's every bit of 300 pounds. And then, you know, with our other alma mater, Corey Sanders, that went to Roosevelt as well. Yeah. He was 102 pounds bigger than me when we fought. And, you know, it was able you know, to get him out of there as well. And it's crazy yeah. that I fought so many people that were so much bigger than me. Like, can you imagine fighting a guy 102 pounds bigger than you <laughs> in a fight? I mean, like, he wasn't like a, a – he was big. but he, He's big. And he wasn't fat. He was big. Hey, yeah. You mean? And, and, and he can
1: fight. Yeah. That's the thing. It's amazing. I mean, your career is just, it's just really, it's just something that, you know, I'm glad you're writing that book because people have to know it. But I've got some other questions for you. Uh, this is from Jeff Ray. I want to ask you a couple of questions. He basically about strategy. He wants you to, can you explain how strategy works in the ring for you? How did it work for you?
2: Well, the strategy is, you know, like, you have a game plan before you fight. And, of course, everybody wants to, well, start with a good jab. And the jab kind of tells you about your opponent. Either you jab to the body, to the shoulder, to the neck. You don't want to, you know, you want you don't want to gamble and use the jab, you know, because we all want the face shot, the head shot. But that may not be there. So uh, the body has a bigger torso or bigger target that you can hit. So I'm aiming for the guy's shoulder, his arm, his chest, to keep touching. When when he feels my power, man, he's getting out of here. So I'm pumping the jab. Then I'm looking to add the right hand or hook, something to the body, something to the head. And, you know, you kind of see where his – does he go to his right? Does he go to his left? I mean, does he back up? What does he do when I faint? And and, and you kind of of read on the job. But you've done it so many times with so many different sparring partners and so many different fighters that it becomes natural. And you, mm-hmm. and you go into it a lot sooner. You know, what this guy has, you know, his best punch. Okay, his best punch is his left hook. best punch is his right hand. Okay, I'm going to go to my right and see what happens. And, you know, and, and, and I'm going to use those kind of uh, strategies, techniques of preparation before my fight, before he's, yeah. he's fighter. And that's kind of how it uh, – um it, 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 you know, it's, it's coming to be, you know, and how I've had success in my career is that I've taken chances, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll, take some chances. And that, I mean, I'll take, not like gambling, but like calculated risk. Okay, I'm going to jam to the body. Okay, now I'm going to look at the body and jam into to the face. But remember, the body punch and the head shot is only six inches, so I'm not going way up and way down. I'm just, I'm leaving with jab, but I mean, I'm really pumping it. And I'm not, I'm not pumping it so hard that that's my, my killer shot, but I need to pump it enough that it keeps the guy from thinking about my right hand. Say, like, damn, I you know, you know everyone in the world knows I got a good right hand. I mean, i known it through the whole amateur career. Probably after my third or fourth fight, they said, oh, my God, watch him. He got a good right hand. And it's been, you know, it's been my moniker for, for a long time. You know what I mean? So... What
1: I mean, you should write a, I mean, I know you've done instruction uh, manuals on that. Because what you're saying, you don't see now in in heavyweight boxing what you're talking about. You don't see guys doing what you just described. It's a whole different way now than the way you describe yeah, how, how to do strategy in a fight. Yeah, I
2: mean, happening? but but you have to like I want to I want to beat the guy to the center ring. So a lot of times. If you see me you say ding ding ding, you know, after we touch gloves and go back to the corner, I wanna beat my guy to the center ring like this is the light in the center ring. Right. Okay, I want to beat him to that light. Now I got him either moving around or he's trying to sit down, or I'll get him to engage. So maybe I'll go one, two, or jab to the body and then a one, one, two, and then get him to follow me. So once he you hit him, you know, somebody wants their leg back. So as right. he wants his leg back, he, he's gotta come and get me back. So what he's doing is that he's expending the energy trying to chase me and trying to walk me down. And I'm in yeah. good shape, so I'm going left and right. I can box left, and, I mean, I can box going to my left and my right. So now by the time he finally gets to me, he does, he's out of gas. I mean, he throws a one, two, and he's like, oh. And then he'll, you know, we'll tie each other up and then you can hear him breathing in my ear like, oh. <laughs> and I'm, I would say to myself like, oh no. You're not going to hit me in my head now and get tired. Oh, no, it's my time to to work. So, you know, you have those kind of different things with different fighters and different strategies. And that's, you know, something I use, you know, is to, to start. I'll do something to make him do something. I'll right. do something, then do something else. I'll do something to make him do something, then I'll do something else. I'll do something to make him do something, then I'll All do something right. else. That's kind of like things in my head. You know I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something, I'm going to keep touching it make him respond to that, Let me respond to that. And I'm going to keep doing that back and forth. And sometimes, you know, you you box a guy for four or five rounds, and he never really catches you on to what you're doing. I was boxing a guy, um, the amazing Oliver McCall, you know what I mean, at oh, Madison Square Garden. And I'm beating him, but he's never really making an adjustment of what we're doing in the fight. And he's challenging. he's smart. You know, he, he, he's tough, he's rugged, but every time I would do something, I would always be a step or two ahead of him. And, and it's like, I couldn't believe that he was letting me get away with some of the things he was letting me get away with because he um, he was always, you know, a, a day later, a dollar short. Man. So, um, but, it, but it was a good fight because it, it forced me to think and, and and to concentrate on what I needed to do. Um, also- um, Let me ask you this. Um,
1: I'm sorry. This is, what, what is the what's the best trap you ever laid in a ring as far as against the fight? A strategy that you a, in a, a trap that you said, man, I got him then.
2: Just didn't play well went for holding, and and, and, and I want I want a majority, I want a majority decision. I knocked him down twice. They they took points for holding, and I still want a majority decision. But I fought him in his hometown. It's crazy. Oh. As I don't know what.
1: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, so, so cool. Let me see. He has one more question here. Um, then, you, know, uh, oh, yeah. This one, I, I I'll, I'll say this question. I, you know, he wants to know, and this is Jeff Ray again. He wants to know, um, do you really listen to the corner instructions between
2: rounds? Or is it, Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know what? The, 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 depending on, I give you another, I give you another uh, situation. That same guy, Robert Wiggins, I fought. He broke my jaw. I want to say in the second round. I mean, and because I know that because when I spit my blood in the bucket, it was a deep, dark, rich blood that I'd never seen before. But I didn't panic. And I wasn't sure at the time that I was in the fight with Coach George Durbin. I wasn't sure if that coach loved me enough to say, hey, I'm going to stop the fight. fight, You'll live the fight again. I, I couldn't tell him. So when he was in the corner talking to me, I didn't hear anything great. You hear me? I want to think about my damn jaw. You know mean I'm thinking about that blood and like damn. Man. And I'm saying to myself, I'm you know, I'm listening to, you know, out the guy who you talked about earlier, Muhammad Ali said, man, Muhammad Ali was saying that same thing when he got his jaw broken. He said, I'm not gonna let this I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna let him hit me again. And sure enough, you go right up to the guy hit you in the same spot. Man. He's like, You gotta be kidding me. But but I was able to deal with that. I fought him. I got my jaw broke probably in the second round. I fought eight more rounds with a broken jaw and mm-hmm. won a majority decision against Robert Wiggins in his hometown of Connecticut. Of, I think somewhere, some part of Connecticut. It was crazy. But yes, you are listening to your coaches You listen to the instructions. I was fighting a guy named Antoine Chazelle, who was oh. fighting in Washington Heights in New York City. Antoine Chazelle is from. He's from Florida, okay. He's from
1: Florida,
2: uh-huh. and he's like he just got out of prison. Maybe, maybe he just got out of parole, or whatever. But he had—he's a, a African American guy. But he had like plaits, braids, and like just hair was wasn't. He, he didn't have the money to get his hair done before the fight, <laughs> so he probably came on money from fight to get his hair done or get his hair braided. At any rate, he. He, he, he whooped my ass the first round. Okay. He was beating me. I, I'm, I'm looking at my coach like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? Because I hadn't <laughs> heard him before. We had the same record. We both 81, 81. And we was like, a, I do a die, but it was, it was a crossroads fight. So um, I came back to the corner and I'm laughing because at the same time, the coach, George Durbin, was giving me water. But he was laughing. He said, oh, you're going to fight now. 'Cause this guy was whooping your ass and I'm like, oh my God. So I started laughing because you know, of course, he you know, cause he saw him. You know, we know we lose that we lost that first round big. Okay. Second round, I came out there and out was able to, you know, put some tricks together and we were able to get him out of there. We were able to stop him. And of course, when the fight was stopped, you know, like I you know, we know we shook hands, whatever. But at the end I saw him in the locker room and I said, Hey. Hey, you know, and she's out. And I and I, Brad said, "Man, do you think they stopped it too too soon? Like, you want to know if the fat guy felt like he got robbed or you got cheated or whatever?" He said, "Nah, he, I I I was hot. Like I I was still I was still woozy. Okay. And they, they 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 did the right thing by stopping the fight. I I wasn't there anymore. And you know, I, you know, I can shake his hands every day. Like what I don't want to do is people like tell you that." The fight was starting premature or really. whatever. I'm asking right. the guy, for it. do you think they stopped the fight? Not that I'm not. I'm bragging about it. I'm just saying, hey, do you feel like that the fight was fair or the fight was you no know, stop Because he did have his take. He did have his 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 uh his his way with me in the first round, but right. the next the first round, I turned it on. You know what I mean because I'm a competitor and uh, you know we was able to, we was able to get him out of there. But you know what I mean and it's crazy because. I fought so many guys. Out of these thirty-five fights I had, man, there's about twelve or thirteen guys who never fought again. Who never fought again. Who never fought again. Felt that right
1: hand. That's
2: it. (laughs) Let me get another career, you know. And I don't want to do this. Maybe they want to be a musician or something. Who knows? But you know, it's crazy. I, I, I haven't. And you can just look through my my fight facts and look at all the guys who have fought uh Antoine Chazelle, Dirk Jefferson, uh Paul Dowdy. I mean I, it goes on and on. The guys that never had a fight, another fight after that the fighting with Williams. Williamson. Hey,
1: tell me, uh DeVero, um I know that I know that you fought Lamont uh, Brewster in the amateur. But they never hooked
2: you two up in the pro. Yeah, that's that's, that's a tough fight. And we fought four times as amateur.
1: Yeah. And,
2: uh, I'll give I'll give you the scenario. So we have Nate Jones, who was the Olympic representative in '96. We have uh-huh. Lamont Brewster, who turned out to be the WBO heavyweight champion of the world. Okay, and you have Devar Williams. So the three of us were like 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 play hot potato because I'll be number one. Then you know you shuffle the deck. Nate Jones number one. Shovel the deck. Levan Brewster number one. You know you know six weeks later he's number one. Right eight weeks later, we did this from 95, 96, and like we must have changed spots. And really, it was really me, Lamont Brewster and I were changing spots. Nate Jones won when it really counted because he won and got to the Olympic. He had the Olympic spot, but he was never number one as he was coming up for two years before the Olympics. He was never number one. Although he won the Golden Gloves, you know, he's never number one. I wanted the Golden Gloves and the U.S. Championships, the Piles. I won everything. Everything you put your hands on, I felt good. Um, it's it's crazy how how the sport, this this boxing goes, and the timing of it. You got to be right at the right time. It's like it's kind of like the track meet. Like you got to be, you know, it's it, it's um, you got to peak for it. You got to peak for it, and and, and you know, you got to be ready. You know, you got ready at the, at the right time to, to do I your think. thing. And that's kind of you know what happened is that the Nate Jones beat me uh, going to the ninety season uh, Olympic trials and Olympics whatever in the box off. I guarantee you, had it gone uh, another month, um, you know, I think I would have stopped him because I had gotten that much better than he was at that time. And right. you know, you know, I think that if he had boss with me during Olympic camp, he had not he probably wouldn't have lost to David de in from Canada. Um because we had David DeVebon and I had a very, very similar style.
1: Yeah, man, man, that's something. Now um I want to ask you um what you, oh I'm gonna ask you this. I didn't know this. One. I thought I knew everything about you, but I didn't know you were a stand-up comedian. I never knew that.
2: Yes. It's funny because my wife was, was talking about that uh, just the other day about, you know, like, like opening up for Chris Tucker it was huge. I mean, this is before Friday. This is before Rush Hour 1, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3. Uh, this is before um, he was in a movie with uh, Charlie Sheen or whatever. Um, you know, he's a cool guy. He's a funny guy. Uh, I opened up for him in Phoenix, Arizona. I went for Tommy Davidson. Wow. I went for other couple of headliners. It was just, you no. Know, it was more of a uh, a dare because we were at the uh, the events of the Roxy's nightclub and they were probably stalling and they wanted to know if people come, on, come up on the stage and tell a few jokes. And so my buddies at the time was like, man, I dare you. You're so, so funny at the basketball court. You're so funny over here. I said, yeah, give me the mic. Give me the mic. Where is that so the guy let me come up there on the stage and I told a few jokes I not noticed this something about starting with the um the um the 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 Phoenix Cardinals football players were in the house at the time they were in attendance, not all of them but enough of them wow. you know, and I was using I remember going to on the stage uh saying to uh, i was saying, man, I'm lucky enough to be here tonight because." A traffic violation, and this wasn't my first one, so I, I wasn't sure if they was gonna. I didn't have enough money to pay it, so maybe they was gonna let me, you know, stay in jail for a couple of days to pay it off. And I wasn't sure how they was gonna do it, but the person was in front of me who saw the judge was a a younger kid, who who was having a problem with his parents. His mother and father were in the, in the uh, were right in the courthouse, and the judge asked the kid, you know that. Do you wanna live with your mom? He looked at his mom and he shook his head and said, No. He said, Well, why not? He said, Well, she beats me too much. And and then the judge will say, Well, do you wanna live we would like to live with your father, son, because your father's here? He looked over there at his father and shook his head like nervously, he said, He said, No. He said, Well, why not? He said, because he beats me too much. He said, Well, son, your mother and your father are here where, you know. Well, who else do you want to live with? Your mother, father. He said, "I want to live with the Arizona Cardinals because they don't be nobody." I mean, and everybody fell out laughing, and I was—I mean, like that was one of my ones to get, you know, kind of get people going, and I started going from there on. And they let me probably talk about—I don't know, maybe, maybe seven to ten minutes, and I—I I got a good, maybe good eight good laughs in there, and that was cool because the, the manager of the Roxy nightclub. Invited me back and said, hey, we want you to do the same thing. And then he'll give me 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Thinking that if you give me 100 bucks, that I'm going to turn around and take the 100 bucks and do what? Buy drinks? Give it right back to you. No, I'm not. I don't drink. So I'm going to give me a Shirley Temple. I'm going to babysit that Shirley Temple. And I'm going to have a good time. So it was cool. It was just cool to be on the stage with God And to watch me at the time that I did it. You know, this is like 1994. So you don't know Chris Tucker's gonna do Rush Hour. You don't know Chris Tucker's gonna do the movie Friday. You mean like you know you don't know he's gonna do uh, uh, for, for the, the, the money with uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, so you don't know any of these things. But it's so cool to, to see these people blossom to to uh, how amazing they come out to be as actors. Right. Or you roll with Floyd Mayweather. Now remember, I named Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Pretty boy Floyd, remember? Now he goes as Money member. but you don't know this guy is going. To, he's just a regular guy. He's a funny right. guy. His dad's a professional boxer, and, and he's a good boxer. He's a good friend. And He's cool as on the what? And you know, he turned out to make millions and millions of dollars, and you know, trying to be one of the best boxers to ever do it. And, and it's pretty cool to know. I didn't, I didn't to, know. Uh, you
1: know.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know that, man. Me. You know I mean like I also gave I gave Pretty Boy Floyd uh, I gave uh, Brian the Hawaiian Punch Brian Floyd the Hawaiian Punch I, You know my name's I'm a I'm a jokester so I give out you know nicknames and stuff like that You know like you call Tava Sweet Black or you call uh, Antonio I mean like just different things uh, You know like different You know like I'm a jokester so it's not jokes but it's just like nicknames that you know you give people right. and it, and they stick. That's a, that's an
1: exclusive on you. I didn't know that. I learned something new from you, man. And the thing is, too, when you're saying your buddies were daring you, they gotta understand that you don't dare people from DC. You never do that because we'll follow up. On but you. they didn't
2: know because they they didn't know because most of them from Arizona, so they didn't really know the DC. No, no, like that. We we crazy or oh, we yeah, we're, we we're, we we're, we're gonna do it. Yeah, we gonna get it.
1: We, we we think a different way. <laughs> we think a whole different. Yeah, that's way.
2: Right.
1: But DeVero, I'm not gonna hold you because I know it's late there. You know, and you know, I'm in your future because it's Saturday morning here versus uh Friday night, late Friday night over there in uh, Colorado. But I want to ask you, uh, before we go, up uh, what um, tell me a little bit about Touch of Sleep as far as what you're doing in the in the region in, in Englewood. And if you're, thinking
2: well, let me of- tell you, but. Let me Thank say really quick. Uh, my, my my big uh-huh, really ahead. quick. My big my big brother Lawrence Clay Bay from Hartford, Connecticut. He gave me the nickname, in um we're in the World Championships in 1995 in Berlin, Germany. So we sparred, you know, I don't know two three hundred rounds, uh, you know, over the years. But having said that, I was calling myself dangerous dad. He said, man, you have to be a power in both hands. So. He started calling me the Touch of Sleep, and I've been having the Touch of Sleep name since April of 1995. So, what I was saying is that like, the community has really embraced me. I have put my heart into the community over here in Inglewood, Colorado. We have a gym, and the kids don't know, but you know, because we come from nothing in Washington, D.C., and I owe it to them. They have no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I owe it to him. I know that, you know, in this world, um, Greg, that that we, we you want to give more than you've taken out. That's you right. mean? And that's my, my that's my that's my hope that before they throw dirt over me, before I'm, um, you know, like 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 in the ground, I, I want to know that I've 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 given more than I've actually taken out. Like you know, I've turned the hand over giving out right. some more in the community. And so, I mean, the community it looks a little bit different from my community as a kid, but it's still those kids who need that kind of uh, encouragement and that kind of love. So I'm paying back all the stuff, that, the before and after school programs, the summer camps over the summer, uh, at, at the resident camp, uh, the boys club, 14 boys club, where I played football and basketball at, uh, Benning Park Rec Center, all the things, all those Schools, and organizations that our wonderful Mayor, Mayor Barry has provided for us, I, I owe it back to him. So yeah. I'm here in Colorado, still paying my debt to my experience of 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 of, of Washington DC for have for for bracing me, for giving me the courage, giving me the heart, giving me the the confidence to go out and you know uh, flex my muscles and to try to find a way in this world, I mean, in, in the best way.
1: Right. You uh, know, And you've done, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, the girl is in the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. He's in the National Golden Gloves Hall of Fame. But he's in the world, the universe, all of fame. <laughs> This man is just amazing, incredible. I'm just honored to have you on. It's like having a, you know, it's like having a royalty on this program. I mean, really, you know. <laughs> Just having you on here it's really worth it. I'm just so glad to have you on today. And uh do you have any like words of advice for folks out there as far as anything you want to leave us with?
2: You know, I you know like I always try to uh encourage you know like when you're having success at doing something, you know, I try to remind um, remind my kids I have you know five kids and one of my sons I uh, just graduated from the University of Richmond and he's done so well as a, um, as a young man in school. I always like trying to encourage him to say, man, just do what you've always done. Do what you've always done. Like, because you know, there's, there's a, there's an un, unknown, there's a, there's an X factor. There's a, a wall here. and You don't really know what's behind that door, what's that the wall, but I'm just telling them to do what you've always done. I try to tell kids to come into the gym to, to believe in themselves, I mean, like, 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 you know what I mean, but, but, take some risk. I mean, I mean, take calculated risk. But sometimes it's not going to be as calculated as you want it to be. But man, you know, this this world is not necessarily promised one way or another. But you, if, if you, if you want something, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to try. You have to go for it. No uh-huh. one knows that you want the red ice cream. You know what I mean? You're waiting for Mrs. Adams to give you red ice cream. She has no idea you want the red ice cream. So she eats the green one or the blue one or the yellow one. Until you say something, open your mouth and say, hey, maybe she says no, but she would never, you know, but she has no idea. Say, you know, my red is my favorite. You know, Mrs. Adams, may I have the red ice cream? She may say, yes. Here you go. Here you go, young lady, or here you go, young man. But you don't know. So you got to open your mouth and you got to like, 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 I mean, ask for what you want, you know, and not say demand it, but just ask for it and work for it. I mean, right. it's okay, it's okay, it's, it's okay not to get what you want, but at least I want you to know what I wanted. You know, that's my favorite. I you mean, know, and I want to do it, but I want to feel like I, I've earned it, I deserved it. So right. I, I want the young people to know that, no, I to. Continue. To, I mean, it's more than believing yourself. Believe in yourself, but also take some chances, take some risks. I mean, I don't mean crazy. I don't mean Joe over bridge, risk. I mean, like, hey, I want to go and ask. I want to. I want to be a dancer. No, I want to. I want to. I want to be in a band. I want to. I want to take a chance. Maybe I don't play the the drums as good as I I should. Okay, I play the cymbals. Maybe I don't play the the saxophone. You know, maybe I play. You know. I'll do something else that, that, that I want to be a part of it until I get my game up better. So I've always did something. Uh, Arizona, things are to in Arizona. We wrote a book called Doing Well by Doing Good. Lawrence Emily, is called a book called Doing Well by While... Uh huh. Be in motion. Have something already in place. So you, why are you not just sitting there waiting on a job to knock on your door? Start working, start cutting some grass, start delivering some papers, start doing some stuff that, that, that you're doing before you get your job. No no job is above you, no job is beneath you. We wanna we wanna get there. And so I've always had that concept, you know, that that, that I wanted to to do something. And 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 it happened. Who knows? I started about twenty-five years old. You can't tell me that I planned it all my life. You know what <laughs> mean? You know, but but I was already had something else in place. And then this this other thing worked out. And that's kind of how life is. How life, you know, know, give you these different
1: situations. Man, that's a a great message. I mean, I'm almost tearing up as I hear that. I just am so thankful to have you on here today. And we got to get you back on here, you know, when you get the book out and everything. But anytime, you're welcome anytime to come on here. So, you you know, you're just an inspiration to everyone I know, to everyone that's listening to this when they hear this they'll, they'll say the same thing you are a true world class inspiration you are a hall of Fame. You are just great
2: thank you so much for 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 again i apologize for oh, no but but we but but I, I call back and I, and we made it happen so mm-hmm. uh I'm grateful for the, you were patient and um and i know it's a little bit later at night but that's it means that much to me. To reach out and for me to follow my word and say that I would do it. Also, you know, I'm I'm a part of the TikTok family now. I am you know, um, if you want to follow me, follow me, touch to sleep at TikTok. Yep. Um, you know, just you know, just to stay close to me. So, um, you know, let 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 the the readers and and and, uh, and the fans know. I'm here on TikTok. I'm 55, but I'm, I'm catching on. I'm, I'm late, but I'm, but I'm here at the party, baby. I'm <laughs> late, social media, but I'm here at the party. So- wow.
1: Man, that's a great guy. That's a really great guy. I was so happy to interview him today. You know, DeVero Williamson. If you don't know him, and if you're a boxing fan, you do now. You know him, but you don't. You know now. Just a, just a legend. Just a legend. I'm just so honored to have him on. And I gotta apologize. My mic was awful. My, his was perfect. And you want to hear him. You don't hear me. You don't hear me. But anyway, my mic was just awful. And I hope it's better now. It sounds like I think it's better now. But I need another mic. I need another mic. I know that. But, you know, I'm going to play the song now for DeVero. This is Heart of a Champion by Nelly. And he has a true heart of a champion. DeVero Williams. And let's hear that on the Show to Roll Virtual Boxing Podcast.
0: STL Derby, I'm like magic to Kareem, man, you tell me I ain't worthy, I ain't speaking about a jersey, I'm speaking about income, did you hear that Elizabeth, here come the big one, I put more money in the community than you got in your budget, I want my food, put your advance to the toilet and flush it, my last dance be a stance of a general custard, I hot dog cause I can, I got the cheese and mustard, I got the stats of my Hall of Fame in just it. two records, that's why I'm back. At the Super Bowl with Julius Peppers. I got that can't stop, won't stop in my veins. That's why they can't stop, won't stop, screaming the name. Nelly, Nelly. Don't tell a friend to tell a friend. I'ma keep the same grin whether I lose or win. Up or down 10, I'ma fight to the end. Cover man with more heart than mark on Valentine's Day. I'm the one that you've been raving about. Like Ray Lewis, I think you hard to go to change your route. Cause you don't know if I'm blitzing or if I'm sitting there and waiting for you to go a trip. Drop out I do it on purpose, I push myself to the limit so my talent is surface So now it's curtains and drapes on anybody who hates, disliking what I'm reciting Biting what I've been writing, I've been dog fighting, scratching and clawing on every height I'm Trying to make you remember me like you remember the Titans Cause I'm a warrior, my daddy was a soldier, a Vietnam badly dirty I thought I told you, I'm supposed to whip up your town and test the roasters Hating like Folgers, mate, I'm young, black and rich, as good as it. And your point guard fits Think he the same pressure But he ain't seen Oh, yeah Ain't no way to no. get
1: Nelly, and heart of a champion. And it goes out to DeVero Williamson, true, true champion. Champion of the world. You know, he didn't win the heavyweight championship, but he won a better championship by being a champion of the world. A leader, community activist, just a great guy. I just enjoy talking to him, and we're going to have him back on here again. And again, I apologize for my mic uh, earlier. I got to get a new mic. I do have to get a new mic. But anyway, we're going to get now to the fantasy world of the Shoulder Roll Virtual Boxing podcast. And again, um this fight um I mentioned earlier is going to be between uh two junior middleweights. What if um uh, Canelo Alvarez fought Winky Wright? You know, one Hall of Famer, um Canelo, I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. And he gets a lot of flack, but Canelo that's a, that's a great fighter. A great fighter. You know, he he's fought everyone. He doesn't void, folks. And neither did Winky Wright. Winky Wright's the master of defense. Just an amazing fighter. You've never seen him go online and look at Winky Wright. And again, I'm saying that uh, not because he's from D.C., but he is from Washington, D.C., like me and uh, DeVero. But we're going to get to this fight right now. And like I always say, if you have a fighter two fighters that you want to see fight on the shoulder roll virtual boxing podcast, just send me a note. Send me a note and i will be more than happy to put them on here. We've got a lot of upcoming fights coming on, thanks to listeners like you, because you're a boxing fan. You love boxing. So let's right now get to the second main event. The, first, the main event was uh, DeVero or Williamson, but this is uh, the second to co-main event. And this is right now Winky Wright versus Canelo Alvarez. Sit that. Get your favorite beverage, whatever you have. Just let your mind relax. We're going into the what-if world. So let's hear that on the podcast. The Show the role Virtual Boxing
3: Podcast. Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Ronald Winky Wright in the junior middleweight division. The 12-rounder is judged on the 10-point must system. The judges are... Mark Kahn, Billy Burke, Wilfredo Garcia. The referee will be the always dapper Vic Draculik. The ref gives the fighters their instructions. The seconds are out. The bell sounds for round one. Canelo Alvarez comes out firing a three-point right to Winky Wright's left side. Wright clinches. The fighters break out of the clinch at ring center. Alvarez lands a five-point left jab that caused Wright to fall into the ropes above the media table. Wright bounces off the ropes and lands a two-point combination. Wright is moving about the ring, trying to establish position. Wright has cut off the ring and pinned Saul Alvarez in the far corner. Wright lands a partially blocked one-point left cross. Alvarez misses with a left jab, but lands a five-point right shot to the body that causes Wright to wince. Wright recovers but misses with a left uppercut. Alvarez counters with a two-point right cross and a three-point left hook. These guys are going to war at ring center. Wright lands a partially blocked jab for one point at the bell. Round one, points scored 19 for Alvarez, four points for Wright. The crowd is looking for more fireworks as round two begins. The fighters meet at ring center. Wright lands a two-point right cross, then clinches Alvarez. The ref separates the fighters. Wright immediately fires a two-point left jab. A three-point combo and two-point right jab. Alvarez appears confused by Winky's hand speed. Wright misses with a right cross. The fighters are in ring center. Wright's high guard is making him a difficult target for Canelo. His corner is urging him to go to the body and stop headhunting. Wright is moving around Alvarez's right. The fighters move to ring center. Saul Alvarez lands a five-point combination that buckled Wright's knees. Saul Alvarez scores five points. Ronald Wright's knees buckled. The crowd is on its feet, thinking Alvarez may score a knockdown. Alvarez misses with huge left cross. Wright counters with a two-point left uppercut. Alvarez misses with a right cross. Wright counters with a two-point jab to the belly. The crowd is enjoying the action as the bell sounds to end round two. Round two. Points scored Saul Alvarez with five points Ronald Wright with thirteen points. The bell sounds for round three. Alvarez stalks Wright and lands a two-point combination. His follow-up right cross whizzes past Wright's right ear. Wright lands a two-point left hook, a three-point right uppercut, and two-point left jab. Wright is painting a picture on Alvarez's face. Alvarez clinches to stop Wright's onslaught. As the ref separates the fighters, Alvarez hits Wright with a right jab. Wright's corner is screaming about the cheap shot. The ref walks Alvarez to a neutral corner and warns him and his corner about hitting on the break. The crowd is booing Alvarez for the cheap shot. The fighters meet at ring center where Wright lands a three-point combo. Alvarez misses with an uppercut. Wright lands a right cross for five points. Alvarez backs into the ropes after that shot. Alvarez comes off the ropes and misses with a left jab. Alvarez is moving about the ring trying to establish position. At the bell, Alvarez scores five points with a right cross as Wright was turning to go back to his corner. The crowd is furious by another Alvarez cheap shot. The ref points at Alvarez and takes a point away. Canelo is getting frustrated by Winky's smooth boxing style and is answering with cheap shots. Points scored in round three. Saul Alvarez with seven points, Ronald Wright with 15 points. As the bell sounds for round four, the boos are raining down on Alvarez. Alvarez has always been a fan favorite, but his dirty tactics have turned the crowd against him. Alvarez comes to meet Wright at ring center. Alvarez lands a two-point left jab. Alvarez misses with a left uppercut and a right cross. Wright misses with a counter-right jab. Alvarez clinches. Alvarez misses with a combination out of the clinch, then clinches right again. Both fighters are warned for excessive holding. Wright lands a two-point right uppercut, then misses with a left jab. Alvarez counters with a two-point left jab. Alvarez lands a three-point right cross to the Wright's gut. It looked low from here. The ref also saw it was low and warns Alvarez again. The fighters are circling each other. Alvarez lands a five-point right cross that may have stunned Wright. Alvarez follows with a three-point combo. He then grabs Wright and tries to hit him as he holds his right arm in a vice. Alvarez is warned for holding and hitting, and has another point taken away from him. The crowd is booing Alvarez as the bell sounds to end round four. Alvarez was having his best round of the fight until he resorted to dirty tactics. The points in round four. Saul Alvarez with 18 points, Ronald Wright with 2 points. I think Canelo may get himself disqualified if he continues this dirty strategy of his doesn't appear as if his corner is giving him any solid advice to prevent him from losing this fight on a disqualification. The bell sounds for round five. Alvarez begins the round by missing with a combination. Right lands a two-point combination, then misses with another combo. Alvarez lands a two-point left jab. Right lands a two-point left jab. Saul Alvarez lands a three-point left uppercut and a right cross for three points. The action is heating up, folks. Ronald Wright lands a five-point right cross that hurt Alvarez. Alvarez stumbles back a little. Alvarez regains his senses and lands a three-point right uppercut. Wright misses with a right cross. The fighters are in ring center. Alvarez clinches. Wright moves to Alvarez's left, then fires a two-point right jab. The bell sounds to end round five. The points scored in round five. Both fighters had eleven points each in that round. From my vantage point, I would give the round to Wright because he definitely heard Alvarez. This crowd at the Thomas and Mack Center has gotten its money's worth this evening with this main event as the bell sounds for round six. Alvarez misses with a right hook, but scores with a two-point combo. Wright stalks his man, keeping his high guard up. Alvarez lands a three-point left hook, misses with a left jab, then lands a four-point right hook. Alvarez lands a combination for four points. Wright counters with a two-point left uppercut, then misses a right cross. Wright fires off a two-point left jab and two-point left uppercut. Alvarez misses with a right hook. Wright misses with a counter jab. Wright steps back an inch, then lands a two-point combination before the bell sounds to end round six. Points scored in round six. Saul Alvarez with 14 points. Ronald Wright with 8 points. The bell sounds for round seven. Wright lands a partially blocked right cross for one point. He follows with a partially blocked right hook for one point, then lands a solid two-point left jab. Alvarez counters with a two-point left jab. Wright lands a two-point left hook and misses with a right cross. Alvarez grabs Wright in a clinch. Alvarez attempts to butt Wright in the head as they break out of the clinch. The ref stops the fight. And tells Alvarez that he is in danger of losing on disqualification. Alvarez nods and reaches out to tap Wright's gloves. The fight continues as the crowd boos Canelo. Wright lands a two-point right jab and then misses a combo. Alvarez clinches again. Wright misses with a left uppercut. Wright follows with a three-point combination. Wright clinches as the bell sounds, ending round seven. The points scored in round seven... Two points for Alvarez. Eleven points for Wright. This is a very hard fight to judge. I think Alvarez would be slightly ahead if he didn't have points deducted. Let's see how the fight evolves as we move to round eight. Alvarez misses with the combination at right center. Wright is so slick at dodging punches. Well, I spoke too soon as Alvarez's right cross got through to Wright for three points. The fighters are in ring center. Alvarez lands a three-point combination then a two-point left jab to the cheek. Right counter with two-point combination. The fighters are in ring center. Right misses with a jab. Right misses with a left cross and right uppercut. Alvarez counters with a two-point left hook. Right lands a two-point right cross. Right lands a two-point right jab. Right throws a two-point uppercut that snaps Alvarez's head back. Alvarez clinches right as the bell sounds to end round eight. Points scored in round eight. Saul Alvarez with 11 points, Ronald Wright with 8 points. This is still a very hard fight to judge as round 9 begins. Wright starts round 9 with a 3-point left uppercut. Alvarez misses with a combination, then clinches. Wright lands a 4-point right hook that forced Canelo to step back. Alvarez moves back to ring center and misses a right cross. Alvarez misses with a cross. Wright counters with a 2-point left jab to the body. Alvarez lands a two-point left uppercut. Alvarez lands a solid four-point left cross to Wright's jaw. Alvarez misses with a right hook, but scores another left cross for two points as the bell sounds. Points scored in round nine. Saul Alvarez with eight points. Ronald Wright with nine points. Who do you have in this tight fight as we begin round ten? Wright lands a two-point right jab to start the round. Wright misses with a left cross. Alvarez misses with a counter jab. Right lands a partially blocked left uppercut for one point. Alvarez lands a partially blocked left cross for one point. Solid three-point right hook by right to the gut. Alvarez lands a two-point left jab and follows with another two-point left jab. Those double jabs were a thing of beauty. The fighters are in ring center. Alvarez clinches. Alvarez breaks from the clinch and misses with a left cross. Alvarez misses with a combination as the bell sounds to end round 10. The points scored in round 10. Saul Alvarez with five points. Ronald Wright with six points. The promoter did a great job of matching these two evenly matched fighters. If you have a fantasy match that you would like to see on this podcast, leave your comments at the YouTube channel, Nourished by History, or at the website, SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Your name will be mentioned as a promoter on air. Round 11 begins with Alvarez throwing two wild right uppercuts that miss the mark. Right counters with a two point left jab. Alvarez clinches. Out of the break, right misses with a left cross. Alvarez misses with a left cross and left jab. Right misses with a counter right uppercut. Right clinches. Given the pace of the previous 10 rounds, the fighters may be a little gassed now. Right lands a two point combination. Right is moving about the ring trying to establish position. The fighters are in ring center. Alvarez misses with a left hook. Alvarez lands a two-point right cross. Wright misses with his own right cross. Alvarez misses with a combination. Wright drops his high guard and lands a crushing right hook for five points that buckled Alvarez's knees. The crowd is going wild over that punch. It was Wright's best of the night. Alvarez quickly grabs Wright in a clinch, and holds him until the bell sounds to end round 11. Ronald Wright scores five points. Saul Alvarez's knees buckled. Alvarez's corner is helping him back to his corner. I think if they were another ten seconds in that round, Alvarez would have been knocked out for the first time in his career. Points scored in round 11. Saul Alvarez with two points. Ronald Wright with nine points. The crowd at the Thomas and Mac is on its feet anticipating an exciting last round. The bell has rung for the twelfth and final round of this evening's bout. Wright clinches at ring center. Wright lands a solid four-left uppercut that had sweat flying off Alvarez's head. I don't think Alvarez has gotten over the last round. He still appears a little dazed. Wright misses with a combination. Alvarez misses with a counter-left jab. Alvarez misses with a left uppercut. Alvarez lands a partially blocked left uppercut for one point. Alvarez lands a four-point right hook to the rib cage. Alvarez follows with a three-point right cross. Alvarez misses with a left jab. The fighters are in ring center. Alvarez has cut off the ring and pinned Ronald Wright in far corner. Wright clinches. Wright lands a two-point right uppercut. Alvarez lands a partially blocked combination for one point. Alvarez lands a two-point left jab before the bell sounds ending this exciting bout. Points scored in the twelfth round. Saul Alvarez with eleven points. Ronald Wright with six points. This is a hard one to score. They both had their moments. The docking of points from Alvarez may hurt him. Let's see what the judges say. Mark Khan scores the bout 116. 112, Billy Burke scores the bout 117. 110 Wilfredo Garcia scores the bout 115 112 for the winner by unanimous decision. Ronald Wright. I don't know what fight Judge Billy Burke was looking at. 117 110 Wright. The crowd booed when it heard his scoring. Even with the point deductions, how do you arrive at that score? But you know how it is with Vegas scoring. Somebody may have been on the take. From my vantage point, I had it as a draw. How did you score it at home? Let's go back to the Bangkok studio with our presenter, Greg Rashid.
1: Yes, back in Bangkok here. That's cop again. I didn't say that earlier. Which means hello in And what do you think of that fight? Yeah, no knockdowns. Uh, but a strategic, um, action-packed fight. And I think uh, if it really had happened, there was a time capsule to bring them together, time machine to bring them together. I could see that happening. I could see that. Winky Wright was flipped. I think the closest that would come to that, this fight for Canelo would be the um, Floyd Mayweather fight. Because Floyd used his tricks and all that. He was older than Canelo. Uh, Canelo was bigger than him. But he wasn't ready. You know, He wasn't ready for Floyd. And I don't think uh, Canelo would be really ready for the defense of Winky Wright, that high guard. The way he would slip punches, going out or being a southpaw. You know, he, he was something. So, again, if you've never seen Winky Wright, there are a number of his uh, fights on YouTube. Check him out. Really check him out. But I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed the interview uh, prior with uh, the wonderful uh, DeVell Williamson. I plan to have him back on here again. As well as other uh, boxers, boxing authors, editors, and some of you out there. Some of you folks that listen to the program who are boxing fans who want to be on here, want to do a lot of talking, I'm working on how I can do this live so I like can interview. and just talk to folks, talk to folks out there who listen to these programs. You know, and a lot of people listen, on, they listen on Facebook or they listen on YouTube or my channel, Nourished by History. And I suggest if you have not been there yet, please go to Nourished by History. Besides having this program on there, I put a lot of boxing on there. You know, a lot of health tips, too. So check it out. Also, I'm on um, Sports History Network. The Sports History Network. Just got on there. Thankful for being on there. You know, where, where, this, this show, Show the Road Virtual Boxing Podcast, is a little bit everywhere. You can check it out. And also, uh, all my friends and... Uh, Family are out there in Colorado who listen every Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Mountain Time on KUHSDenver.com, created by the one and only the legendary Henry Archie Leather. Please listen to the show and please, you know, go check out uh, DeVero. Those of you in Colorado, go check out Touch of Sleep in uh, Inglewood. Go check it out. You know, support DeVero. He's doing a great job in the community. Just a great guy. But again, we're going to get ready to get out of here right now. This is Greg Rasheed. Um, again, I apologize for early mic problems. I hope you got the gist of the program. But we'll be back next time. And again, if you want to promote this fight, just send me a message on Facebook or Nourished by History or by on the Sports History uh, Network. And let me know who you want to see fight with next. And we'll put it on here. And again, this is Greg Rasheed go in love go in peace help somebody along the way and every day when you wake up first thing to do is uh get up you know looking in that mirror and hug yourself and say you love yourself and if you're sight impaired get up hug yourself and say you love yourself because if you don't love yourself you can't do anything i mean really you can't help anyone you can't because if you can't help yourself you can't help anyone so just love yourself Bring joy wherever you are, in your community, your prefecture, your condo, your apartment, wherever you are, farmland, wherever you are. Just bring some joy and happiness. We're all in this together on this small, small planet. So go in love, go in peace. This is Greg Rasheed. We'll see you next time on the Shoulder Roll Virtual Boxing Podcast. Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.